you're fed up with the nine to five. You've been working hard for years and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career, but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. This is the Business Breaks podcast and I'm your host, Dante Healy. I have a special guest for you today. Kevin McCarthy, who is the creator of the website onpurpose.me. He's a man on a mission to eradicate meaninglessness from the planet, one person at a time. In other words, he wants to help you know your purpose in life. So Kevin says, if you're truly disheartened, then you're suffering from the absence of purpose and meaning. So knowing your purpose sets your life on a profoundly positive path. There's no benefit remaining mired inner life without meaning when you can know your two word purpose in minutes so have you ever wondered do i have a purpose in life why is my life so hard how can i make a difference life is full of questions and there's some hard questions to ask and harder ones to answer so kevin is here to help you answer these questions and more kevin has been helping people live the life they were meant to live by being on purpose. So, Kevin, welcome to Business Breaks. Well, thanks. It's great to be with you. I understand you've got your own on-purpose story. Yes, I do. And um, thank you, Kevin. It wasn't that long ago. It was about uh, actually three years ago now. I left a job which I felt was I was getting really tired in my career. I felt it wasn't fulfilling me. And you know where you get that empty feeling. Maybe you don't. (laughs) But this was me at a crossroads in my career. I feel like I was at a midpoint, very critical point, and I didn't know where I was going. So I decided to take that mid-career break to try and figure things out. And um, if I'm honest, it it came during the pandemic as well, which made it harder (laughs) because there was that uncertainty. I guess I, I was stuck in terms of, running that hamster wheel of trying to scramble back to what I thought I need what I thought I'd lost even though at the time I left it for a reason and I was reaching out to people and one person recommended your book which helped me a lot it gave me some idea that there needs to be a purpose behind what I do and I had to figure it out in order to find some real fulfillment rather than just chasing things you know external should we say validations for people, the career that I thought I should have, the career I thought would impress others, and instead just craft out my own unique vision of who I should be and what would fulfill me. So I think um, I wanted to thank you for that because it was that plus some positive actions that actually helped move me forward. And whilst I'm still on that journey and I don't think we ever stop, (laughs) it certainly gave me a massive jump in terms of course correcting my life. So thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. I'm glad to hear that the on-purpose person was able to sort of help you navigate. Uh, That's one of the the things in there is remember there's fighters, fleers, flitters, flitterers, and um, we all fall into all of those categories and they're all, if they become our life, then we're losing a tactic as a strategy where the idea is to navigate through life. Sometimes you have to flee. Sometimes you have to flit. Sometimes you have to fight, <laughs> you know? And, and and so it's that combination of those four things that are able to, uh, as you learn to master each of those in the right time, now you're navigating life. And it sounds like you've been doing that. Yeah. And life certainly has improved a lot 
even talking to people now, they say, I'm not recognizable. And they mean mm. it in a good way. Right. And I think when you, you know, we start out full of aspirations, ideas, ambitions, but not well-crafted visions in my case. <laughs> but then you realize life happens to you and then it becomes somewhat, if you if you don't manage it, it becomes a drudge. So I guess from the people you've helped, why do you think life is so difficult? I think because most of us are patterned from a very young age to go in a certain direction. You know, you go to school, you get a job, you you graduate, you get married, you have the kids, you live in the suburbs, you know, whatever it may be. There's all these different sort of narratives that we generally fall into. And I have often found that, you know, if somebody grows up in a family where they do insurance, then they often stay in the insurance business. The children fall, you know, that's what their parents know. It's what they move them towards. If they grow up in medicine, they go into medicine. It's, it's rare that you see somebody breaks out of the family mold. If you're built, if you're born into the royal family, you stay in the royal family unless you're <laughs> unless you're a certain couple. But it's one of those things where these patterns in our family life that actually are not bad for us. I mean, they work for a large percentage of people, but for a number of us, we recognize that that pattern is working against me instead of for me. But the problem is, it's it's the old story of a fish trying to understand that it's in water. Hmm. And it's hard to see that it's in water, because that's its environment. So it's the idea that if you can break out of that mold, break out of that pattern, that's a scary thing. And to some extent, it's the ability or inability, I should say, to get in touch deeply with who we are and what we're about, because we've kind of been on the hamster wheel. Yeah. I mean, starting as young children, whether it's moving from piano lessons or soccer lessons or football, a variety of different activities that arts, music lessons or whatever, to school, to this, to this, to this, you know, our time tends to be very scheduled for us. And we think that's the way it is. And then all of a sudden we kind of wake up and we're like, you know, my life's been scheduled for me all the way along, but is this really what I wanted? And and that comes sort of that existential crisis where we begin to examine inwardly who we are and the idea of is living on this hamster wheel, what it's all about, or this routine. Um, it's very unsatisfying. Whereas you said you felt empty, mm. but now we don't know how to do it because we're a product of the product of our upbringing. Yeah. And so, you know, I was fortunate that I've always been a little bit of a iconoclastic traditionalist, which sounds like an oxymoron, mm. but I've, I've grown up in sort of the classic tradition of a family and education and all of that. But I always sort of rebuffed at a certain amount of authority in my life. And, and so I would always look, question it a lot. And so I started questioning it earlier. Again, I was pretty conformed, conformist in, in many ways, because again, it's not that it's a bad thing for you to get an education is not a bad thing. To go to college and get a further education is not a bad thing. But for some people that that just further sends them down the wrong path. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I have a friend of mine named Tom Farr who told me this story one time and he said, Do you know why guys drive we were talking about this relative to time management. And he said, you know why guys drive four-wheel drives, you know, SUVs, four-wheel drives? Yeah. He said, so they can get lost further off the road faster. 
<laughs> and that's kind of what a lot of these things do is at some level, we get into these patterns that are very effective for many people, but they're mm -hmm. not effective for us. And they allow us to get further down life, further lost faster yeah. than we would if we had done some examination or somebody had maybe intervened for us and said, look, we'll examine your life. Is this really who you are and what you want to be? And, and so on and so forth. So that those are the challenges that I think we have trying to come up with who we really are. Indeed. And yeah, it's very difficult when you focus, as you say, on the um, on the externals and the tactical elements, the immediate gratification of achievement. I want this or I want I think I should be doing this. So even you you're disconnected from what is it that's driving you. So you look to what you think you should be doing. And that disconnectedness is probably what, what creates that sense of dissatisfaction because you may even be successful and you're not happy. So when people come to you, how do you help them to get back to being connected with what their purpose should be? Well, you're a reader of the on-purpose person, so yeah. you know this. The first thing I do is I ask them what they want. And I have them make a sort of a brain dump. Uh, let's, just, let's just say somebody's going through a career issue. Yeah. I'll say, tell me everything you want about your career. What do you, you know, what hours do you want to work? Who do you want to work with? What kind of work do you want to do? And I'm not talking about, you know, you were trained as a finance person, but mm. you, really, you really are, would love to be an artist, you know, where you'd love to be a photographer or something. You know, there, there may be some yeah. other thing that just says, well, this makes no sense whatsoever. Say, so I don't care. Write it down. We're not going to decide. And then what I do is I sort of borrow from Wimbledon. I, I set up uh, all of these different ones into tennis tournaments. And then I have them choose which one is most meaningful to them. And so we, we don't, the difference between Wimbledon tennis tournament and what I do is in Wimbledon, when a player loses, they are eliminated. In my environment, you're only advancing that which is most important. You're not eliminating. Hmm. You're advancing. So you're clarifying which is most meaningful to you. Then based on that, again, staying in the career field, you know, we can look at it and say, well, then if this is an area that you really, really feel called to be operating out of, then how do we make that happen? And we start to put together a plan. Now, mm -hmm. one of the things I always say to people is don't quit your day job just yet. Let's get the plan in place. Let's test the plan. So let's say that somebody wanted to move from finance to photography just because it has a nice alliteration to it. How's that? You know, and photography is a tough business. I would say to them, okay, who are the photographers you admire or who do you know? Go work for them for a day. Go volunteer with them. If they shoot weddings, then go be their gaffer for a day at a wedding and carry their bag. Mm -hmm. See what it's like. Is that really what you want? Or is it just you think you want that? Go explore it. Go talk to these people. Interview them. Find out what it's about. In the course of doing that, you're going to discover what that type of work involves. It may not be as glamorous as you thought it was. And you might just look back and say, you know what? I already have it pretty good. I can, just, If I could bloom where I'm planted. Or rather than quitting the finance job, why not bring your camera into work and start doing some photography around the office with permission, mind you, and then sharing it with the marketing department. You know, so there's a zillion different ways that you can maybe satisfy that itch, some of which is one might be as a hobby or an advocation mm -hmm. versus a vocation where it's, you know, how you make your living. 
So it's, it, there's a lot of different ways to, to go about this. And what I found is most people aren't clear about what they want. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they're not able to articulate the options that could make what they want come to life because everything is on the table or nothing's on the table because they just have sort of like a writer's block. They have like a want block because, and that's a whole different issue where they may feel they're unworthy or they're not capable or nobody would want me. I mean, there's, there's a whole psychosis part of this that can, uh, where you can just get down in the dumps. But I've found by writing down what you want, because even if you're down in the dumps, you could just say, I want to be back to being me. I want to be happy. I want to be not feeling like I'm in the dark. So these negatives, we can reframe them as positives. And again, it, it may be incremental. It may be, uh, you may have to iterate this process again and again to sort of refine it. But the fact is, at least you have something that you're doing that's positive and moving you forward and clarifying some things for you. Yeah, it does take a lot of work. And also, as you say, you have to revisit it and just like Wimbledon, you know, it's a tennis tournament. It comes around every year and you're having to, you know, you have to play your favorites again. Each each one has to qualify in that tournament. Right. So it's not a question of you, you've got your your wants and, you know, there's only one and you focus on only that. Uh, once my career was on track, I had to focus on other things and prioritize other things. And there's some things that are popping up that I need to pay attention that I've also neglected, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the methodology I described was just for the vocational side. Yeah. I mean, I actually have people do the same thing with their finances, with their family, yeah. with their health, their intellect, their spirituality. All of these areas of life, if you do that want list and tournament process, Interestingly, the first time you do it, it feels overwhelming and it can feel yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, am I going to get it right? Yeah, you're, you don't, don't worry about getting it. There is no right or wrong. There's just, it, it's a matter of just plowing into it, getting it done, yeah. and then looking at the results. And what you'll find is, I mean, I'm at the point now where just at the beginning of this year, I hadn't done it last year because I had a really busy end of the year. I sat down at the beginning of just a couple of weeks ago, it just, yeah, just a week ago or so. And, and I wrote out my want lists and tournaments. And so I have actually written out my want lists. I haven't run my tournaments yet, mm. uh, but it only took me 45 minutes for all yep. areas of the life. Cause once you, once you get used to the skill of it, mm. if you think of it as a skill set, learning how to write down once and then learning how to run tournaments it's a skill set, then you can focus in on the content piece. And so for me, the skill set piece is, is mindlessly easy now. Mm. It's, it's not, this is not complex folks, you know, I mean, to, to set yeah. up a tennis tournament and decide a brackets and decide which is most important is not a hard thing to do to set up or learn as a skill. Uh, but it's just a matter of sitting down and actually doing it. As um the beauty of the process is it's so it is simple and it does get you focusing on well these are all my wants and now I have to figure out what are the priorities. Correct. Now you say what's the plan look like to to make this and part of that is blocking time. Yes. Some of that is breaking it maybe into smaller pieces, doable pieces. Some of it is having the perspective that you know if you went from. Uh, let's say photography, say you were going the other way, that you're a photographer who wants to be a financial manager. 
Well, to go there, you might actually have to get a a securities license. Mm -hmm. So there could be licensing issues. So you you have to look at it and say, well, there are certain milestones along the way that I might have to meet in order to to fulfill what what it is I'd really like to be about. Just a little tip. I have these things called on-purpose proverbs, which are little one-liners or two-liners that I do. Mm -hmm. One of my on-purpose proverbs in the career area or the business area is, before you make a career decision, you have a lifestyle decision. So when you're writing out what you want, make sure you include lifestyle issues, such as, do I want to be working 70 hours a week? Do I want to be on call 24-7? Do, mm-hmm. I, want, uh, do I want to work late at night? Do I want to work in, in early in the morning? I mean, just look at your own body in terms of if you're a night owl, if you're a morning person, <laughs> you know, what, what does that what suits me best? Because why not set yourself up for the most success you can? And I'm not saying that at the end of that process, you're going to get what you want. What I am saying is you're going to start closing the gap between where you are and what you want, because now you at least have identified what you want. And now you're beginning to put a plan in place to achieve that. Indeed. And yeah, it's all about knowing which direction you want to be heading and moving in that general direction. Right. Now, the thing that's we haven't really discussed that much though, is that where purpose plays a part in that. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I help people articulate their purpose is two words. So they have a generic beginning of I exist to serve by, and then like liberating greatness or igniting joy or a, a variety of these two word purpose statements. So what happens is when you, again, you're staying with the career example, if you have a two word purpose of, do you remember what your two word purpose is? Yeah. I exist to serve by cultivating growth. Okay, cultivating growth. So what happens is you can now look at it and say, if I start with this purpose of cultivating growth and I've gone through what do I want, but now I use one of my filters is, is this a cultivating growth opportunity or not? This job that I'm looking at or this this business I might be creating uh, or this entrepreneurial endeavor that I'm looking at, is it cultivating growth? And growth, what does growth mean to you, Dante? Uh, growth means continual learning, continual development, opening up to new experiences, meeting new people, building relationships, and again, finding fresh challenges. Yeah, so growth doesn't necessarily just mean business growth or income growth. See, a lot of time, it, what's nice is you have a very robust understanding of what growth means. For, it means for you, for family members, it means for your business, your career. It has all of those implications. But unfortunately, a lot of times we tend to look at these things only in the context of a very narrow understanding of growth. Because ultimately, if you're not growing, then your business isn't growing or your career isn't growing. Mm. Because they're only going to grow as much as we're growing. And that's ironic in the sense that when you're chasing the income and the promotions, it's almost like it's counterintuitive, but it's less likely to happen if you're not focusing on those areas where you should develop. You should be the person who, if you want to get the promotion, if you want to achieve more. But it's it's also getting back on purpose and enjoying the journey, the process of moving towards your once. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that's ironic about it is you have the internal you and then the external you, but you're also living in a, in a company, let's say. Hmm. And the, to If you play for the externals, which is more money and more promotions, yeah. and you look at it and you go, 
look at the person who's 10 years ahead of you in the job yeah. and say, do I want to be like that person? Because that's what I might need to be in order to do that. Now, there are some situations where you look at it and say, oh, yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. that's that is this is a great fit for me. That's a good person. This company has good ethics and you know whatever it may be, it's meeting what you're about. And so you, you can look at it and say, well, I'm really well positioned. So now I would say is go find that person that you really admire and make a relationship with them, build a relationship with them, ask their opinion, ask for them to be a mentor, uh, not necessarily formally every week or something like that, but just periodically, may I give you a call and pick your brain about some things. Most people are flattered to be able to do that as long as you're not overwhelming them. Yeah. And and now you can move in that direction. So the externals in that case, if they line up nicely, good for you. If they don't, and you start to say, holy mackerel, is that what I have to become in order to do this? It doesn't feel like me. Now you might start looking at freeing up your future to do something different or to go Which, somewhere different. Yeah. And again, that's that gives you that compass to determine well which direction your path becomes clearer almost as things arise yeah and what we're really talking about is your purpose cultivating growth is here you go through the want list and tournament process and what it really does is it clarifies to some extent a vision of what you want your career to look like so that's purpose now you've got a vision now the missions are really what are you going to do about it yeah like I said, one of your missions might be to get licensed in something or, or to get educated in a certain technology or whatever it may be that there's you, there may be some obvious technical gaps that you have that if I can close those gaps, now I can move into that field much more fluidly, more rapidly and more successfully so that you can compress the learning curve, if you will. And or at least eliminate that from from you know a, a sort of a a checkbox eliminating you from being able to go into where you want to go. Then you can begin. So that's the you got the purpose of cultivating growth, the vision of the job or the role that you'd like to, how you've created this role that you want, the missions, how to get there, and then the values are how do I choose? And, and that is really called, does it ring true in many ways to my heart, which is your purpose, and in your values and your gut? You know, do I have a gut feel that this is a good thing for me? Where if your gut is saying, boy, everything seems to line up, but there's something really off right here. But everything is lined up good. So just because that little bit's off, I'm going to go for it. And you regret it because the, if you felt like it was off, your gut is telling you it's off. And chances are it is if you better explore that further and get to peace, because ultimately you want to make a peaceful decision about it. Now, that's not to say that, you know, good things, bad things are going to happen on the job. But at least if you go into it with a certain amount of peace and confidence about the decision you've made, then you've made a wise choice because your purpose, vision, mission and values are aligned. That's brilliant. And it's what you just described. I I took to mean a lot of self awareness, and not just at the surface level. It's it's very much an inner level, and and being able to trust your instincts, trust your intuitions, trust your emotions. Right, but it's a lot easier to trust them if you're clear about your purpose, vision, mission, and values. Because now yeah. you have a benchmark. Where yeah. if it's saying, "Oh, I just have to trust it," and you might look at it and say, "Well, I've trusted it in the past," it's kind of like 
you know, maybe dating is a good example of that. You yeah. know, there's a woman who's dating and she seems to constantly date bad guys. Uh, she might not want to trust her instinct much. There's something going on. And so at some level, if she were to clarify her purpose, vision, mission, and values in the dating realm, then she might say, oh, my gosh, that's why I always end up with these losers. <laughs> and the same thing's true of jobs. It's So you can begin to get to the point where you want to trust your instinct, but your instinct is not good because you haven't done the inner work in order to get the outer work to perform at the level at which is satisfying for who you are. Interesting. And yeah, dating is a great analogy and because it's, it's such a tricky thing to try and find a life partner, even especially if you haven't found one when you're young and some people maybe are, are lucky. They, they, they grow up with their soulmate and then other people just grow up and, they're aimlessly dating. I know that feeling. And you're trying to figure out, well, what do I like? I better just try a few different people. And, and by try, I mean, have interactions and see who, who do you get on with? Who, who do you talk to? Who do you connect with on an emotional level? Well, you know, that same process that I just described, the want list and tournament process. Yeah. You could do the same thing from a dating perspective, which is to say life partner Here's the things I want. And, and I, when yeah. I say, you know, you know, you can cover the externals of the mm. person, but you also cover the character qualities, what their hobbies yeah. are, what their interests are, what their fun things are. And again, it's not that all of these have to be present. You know, th this perfect person might not be out there, but whenever that right person comes along and you go, wow, this, 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 and this, and this. Or it's kind of like I use that same process. My wife and I were looking to buy a house one time, and we and I sat down with my wife and I said, "Okay, we know we're going to need three bedrooms, so let's just write three bedrooms. We we know that's a given. So we tell the realtor three bedrooms. We know this is our budget, so we're going to write that now. What do we want from this house to make it into a home? So we started writing down things about what kind of a view she wanted to be able to look out the kitchen window and see the children playing in the backyard while she's at the sink. You know, I'm, you know I, I wanted to have fruit trees in the yard. You know, did, could, can I plant fruit trees? Yes, I can. You know, but it was just like, why not? You know, dream, dream. Yeah. And so we gave this to the realtor. We, then Judith and I, my wife, we ran a tournament on it and said, look, of all of these things, this is really what's most important to us. Yeah. But there's other things there. The realtor came back to us and said, I have everything you want in a house except it's $10,000 over your budget. But mm. otherwise, it's everything you want. We looked at the house. We fell in love with it. And we weren't able to make the deal work for the, the, the 10000 And as it turned out, it was probably just as good because we ended up not staying in that area. Mm. Uh, we would have had to sell the house in six months from the time we bought it. Wow. So it's just sort of interesting how those things happen. But I used the want list and tournament process extraordinarily successful. I mean, the, the realtor said to me, oh, my gosh, I wish every client of mine came into me with you know, something like this. Because we understood our purpose. We had a vision of what we wanted for our home. We, gave, we worked with a realtor. That was part of our plan so that we could outsource some of the work. And then uh, we were ready to implement. So simple. You know, be clear about what you want. And it doesn't just make your life easier. It makes the people you interact with makes their lives easier because they understand you. You're very clear what you're about. Yeah. The problem with clarity on the front end of before you get to clarity. Yeah. It's choices. And most of us would sooner keep our options open 
So we keep them open. And again, I'm not, remember I said at the beginning of this, it's not an elimination tournament. Mm. It is a, an advancing tournament. So I'm not saying that your, your options are closing down. I'm saying you're focusing in on the most critical aspects, the most meaningful aspects in that area of your life or work. Gotcha. <clears throat> So it's, pro- like, it's almost like what are the non-negotiables for you? Yeah, setting the priorities and uh, and again, it's like project management. Um, you have the Moscow, you have your must-haves, could-haves, would-like-to-haves, and yep. yeah, possible but not really that important. <laughs> right, and that's kind of what the want list and terminate process does. Is it gets it gets the average person there without going through probably what you do on a project management basis at a very sophisticated level. Mm. Uh, This is just a simple, fast way of getting the average person there. So they're much further ahead than, than trying to go through a a longer, more cumbersome process. Thank you, Kevin. And in terms of being on purpose at work and in your business, how can we be more on purpose? How can we apply those principles and achieve more in terms of our objectives? Yeah, I mean, you may or may not be familiar. There's a book called The On-Purpose Business Person. Right. And in that book, I, I talk about the same things, about purpose, vision, mission, and values, because organizations need to have a purpose, vision, mission, and value, as do people, individuals. In mm-hmm. fact, in, in the book, there's four pillars. The first pillar is called The On-Purpose Principle, where it's the purpose of the person aligned with the purpose of the organization. When that alignment exists, there's energy. When that alignment doesn't exist, there's no energy. Yeah. So if your job is draining, chances are you can go right back to the purpose. Is it cultivating growth or is it killing growth? Or is it sucking the life out of you, you know, type of thing. So you begin to look at it and say, that's a very basic place to look at it. Then you can say, does it fit my vision? Mm. Does it move my mission forward? You know, does it provide work with its meaningful work and where I enjoy the work? And does it do the values align? So I always say to those people that have businesses, articulate the purpose, vision, mission, and values for your business. So that people, and then if people come, they can align to it. You, you're clear about it. Now, a lot of people think, oh, that's just something you write. You put it on the wall, you put it in a binder, and there it is. That's... Unfortunately, what too many people do because they haven't figured out how to put strategy, these deep strategies mm. into play. Yeah. And so I've spent a career as a business consultant helping companies take their purpose, vision, mission, and values and integrate them into their business. And in fact, if you think about it, it's it's uh, most business plans start with either purpose, vision, or missions. Yeah. They might articulate values. But what you're really trying to do is if you think of that as the energy source, purpose, vision, mission, and values is the energy source, I then ask them to tell a strategic story about it. A Mm. strategic story is something that's memorable. So let me give you an example of a strategic story. Okay, uh, Apple. Most people are familiar with Apple Computer and Stephen Jobs. So Stephen starts his business in his garage he his goal is to change to to change the world by change, by making the computers a from a business tool to a consumable to a consumer product so that it makes everyday people's lives better yeah okay? i mean that's that's the strategic story of apple hmm. and 
And you look at it and say, wow, the phone I have in my pocket or the thing I have on my watch, on my wrist, or all of these products that Apple make, they do make my life better. And so you go right back to the strategic story of that. Now there's purpose, vision, mission, and values. You know, as you get more sophisticated, you articulate what what is the edge of that? What does that really look like? But our strategic story is this. So now you combine the purpose, vision, mission, and values, the deep strategy, along with the strategic story, which then influences the business plan. Then from the business plan, you look at it and say, how do we take who we are and position this company in front of the right people who want to, who, who whenever they see our product or service are like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Yeah. Okay. So that's a marketing choice. And then there's a sales process. The same thing is true in the inside the corporate culture, which is to say, how do we find people who get so excited about making a difference in other people's lives by making technology available to them for everyday use that, that enhances their well-being? How do we find people to get excited about that? And that's our corporate culture. Yeah. And, So what you're doing is you're taking these clinical things called purpose, vision, mission, and values, which are generally clinical, strategic, Mm. somewhat ethereal. And you're now beginning through creativity and through strategy, structures, and systems, you're integrating these things. You're bringing the energy into what is otherwise the soulless corporation. Understand. And it's, it's, it's bringing meaning to... Your business, uh, which again gives that it attracts and um, it magnetizes people who can who also identify with that meaning, whether it's yeah. customers, employees, right? Because when when the purpose of the person and the purpose of the organization are aligned, now recognize yeah. the purpose of the person can be the owner of the business aligned with the organization. The purpose of the person can also be the customer. Hmm. The purpose of the person can also be the the team member Mm. the purpose of the person can be a vendor who's providing services that they're like oh my gosh you know it's kind of like you know if somebody who's a manchester united fan said they called me and they want me you know uh, let's say i'm a photographer we'll go back to that they called me they want me to do photography for their games oh my god it's like a dream you know it's like yeah that's customer conflicts like of course i'll do it you know oh you're gonna yeah Oh my gosh, you know, it's that sort of a, a, a thing where you just go, oh my God, and that, that's called customer confluence. Yeah. We have the confluence of that, but it takes preparation. It takes timing. So again, going back to our photographer example, if they said, I'd like to do sports photography, oh, mm. sports photography, well, what specific sports? Well, I'd like it to be football. What was there a specific, okay, football, is there a specific team? Chelsea or Manchester United or whoever it may be that they have men or women, you know, which one is, you know, is you can, again, the more specific you get and then it's called, well, it's fairly easy to go out there and ask for a press pass and maybe start doing some photography. And now you start publishing some stuff, (laughs) you do a blog and you boom, boom, boom. And now, you know, you may be the unofficial photographer for them. But now you're doing what you love and maybe people start to follow it and they like your photos and maybe somebody buys your photos and pretty soon, guess what? You're now a sports photographer professional. Brilliant. Mapped out a strategy for any Manchester United fans who happen to be into photography. So (laughs) thank you, Kevin. (laughs) It could be the same thing for technology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
it's just there's just it, it's unlimited in terms of the creativity of what it's doing. It's usually just the creativity that's missing because we're we're so scattered yeah. across fifty eight hundred different ideas, yeah. and all I'm doing is trying to say, look, take it, let's narrow it down, get 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 as specific as you can, have a ball with this process. Yeah. And when's the last time somebody said to you? Dante, tell me, what do you really love? What do you re- just write it down? Tell me some more about it. Tell me some more about it. It should be an extraordinarily exciting process. Yeah, yeah. And and when you put it like that, I mean, it should be so much fun. And yet we put pressure on ourselves. So I guess if you don't mind me using an analogy, as a job seeker, you should be thinking, well, what do I like? What are my values? What are my missions? What, what is my purpose? And then you look for companies that align to that. Mm-hmm. You don't look for, I want to work for Apple um, because mm-hmm. Apple is Apple. And obviously I want to chase the status. I want that perceived career growth. And I want to have that big brand on my CV or resume. Um, you should be thinking more, if you want to have a fulfilling career, you should be aligning your values with a company that has the same values. Yeah, or start your own. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or start your own. I mean, it's kind of like I know you do technology transformation. That's one of the things in the on-purpose business is what I call Think Inc., which is you, if you look at, even if you have a job, if you look at your job and you say, I think Inc., it, in other words, I see my job as a business, my customers within my company where I do technology transformational work is this group of people. But what if I could outsource myself to 10 other companies like this and I've got my own company, what would that look like? And and so the, the exercise of treating your peer employees, I call them team members, as customers and recognizing that if I treat them like customers, like this is my business, it's your career. It is your business. Yeah. If I treat them like customers, if I decide to leave the company someday, you know what? They might actually become my customers because I treated them like customers, not like they were a pain in my rear end. <laughs> and that's strategic thinking, as it were. Right. It just makes everything so much easier when you're aligned to your purpose. And even the tough times, you can see a way beyond that which is brilliant right now. And see, here's what's here's one of the principles again in the on purpose business person is a thing called the service model where you start with your purpose. You have a mm-hmm. plan, you have people that are involved, you have a process, you have a performance, you have a customer, and then you have your customer's customer. So if your purpose is your purpose is cultivating growth. So mm-hmm. now you're looking at it and saying for my customer, how am I helping them cultivate growth? So you're thinking, and then how am I helping their customers, my customer's customer cultivate growth? Because whenever you take your purpose statement and you move it all the way through towards the customer or the the people who are going to benefit from it, and then their people who are going to benefit from it, because what you'll find is most people are more interested in helping other people than they are themselves. Now, they got to take care of themselves to some extent, but this is why burnout happens because Mothers will give more to their children than they'll they'll burn themselves out. 
Fathers yeah. will work, and again, I'm, I don't mean to be so gender specific about it, but you'll see that people will, in the corporate life, men or women, they'll they'll work so hard in their corporate job and burn themselves out. So at home, they say, well, I'm providing an income and I'm providing food and housing and clothing for my family, but I'm not providing love because there's nothing of me left when I get home. Yeah. And the children are saying, could you just love us a little bit? Could you just be around a little bit? Could you just be available? Could you just listen to me? I'm going through hell at school and nobody's there to hear me except my goofy friends down in the corner who are smoking dope. They listen to me. At least I think they do. And, and so it's it's this dynamic of, of understanding you know, kind of how these things all work holistically and, and the, the implications of that. So we're able to sort of pull back and say, okay, this job that I'm working, it's going to have to meet my lifestyle. And my lifestyle might be I've got a family. And this is where balance comes in. It's not, it's, it's about being able to be there for your, the other areas of your life, not to just go all in on one piece of it and then realize actually my purpose was to, so for example, Again, not to be gender specific, but the career driven woman who focuses on her, but then neglects her dating life and realizes that maybe she she's worked her way up to being an executive, but doesn't have a life partner. Right. Well, and let me just share, if I may, you said something, uh, sort of a trigger word for me. Okay. I'm not, not bad, but most people talk about life balance. When you have a purpose in life, balance is irrelevant. Right. Balance is a false concept. The idea is integration hmm. because your purpose, cultivating growth, is the integrating piece. So what you're really doing is think of it more as baking a cake where you have these different areas of life. And if these ingredients come together well, you create a wonderfully tasting cake or hmm. whatever, a roast or whatever it may be. Although a roast is a roast, you know, it's kind of but it's something <laughs> where you're mixing ingredients where they're coming yeah. together. So your spiritual life, your work life, your finances, your family, all of these things are, are coming together. And it's your purpose of cultivating growth that allows for the integration along mm. with a vision for your career, your life. Um, well, I'm going to say your life, your finances. You know, all of these areas have visions. So there's one yeah. purpose, seven areas of life. Each one can have a vision. Each one has missions. You can see how bushy it gets yeah. after you know your purpose let alone if you're trying to to, to chase 5,800 different things and each one of these has all of those bushy, all that bushiness to it attached to it as well. It's why we get overwhelmed and burned out and why purpose integrates and, and balance is a false ideal that you want to avoid. You're not looking for balance because balance is, balance is tension. Balance right. is is saying, I've got to make these trade-offs. You do have to make choices, but whenever you're making choices based on your values, you're not necessarily trading off. It's it's pretty clear. Yeah, agreed. It's not all or nothing with each of these choices. You can devote like 50% of your time on one thing, 30% on another, 10% on another. As you say, with your children, when you get back from work, you should have at least 10% of the time where you're there focused on them, giving them your attention. Now, yeah. sometimes they might, that might not be enough for them, but you know, and they might not want it and they might not <laughs> want it either when you want to give it. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. other part of it. You know, the older they get, the worse, the more they're like, Oh dad, just leave me alone. Would you? So yeah. it just, it's funny how that is. 
Yeah, true. It's it's it it's not easy, and and not everyone's working on your 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 schedule, but uh, that is life. And um, I guess in terms of coming to um, the photo in the background, chief leadership officer, mm-hmm. um, I know you're huge on personal leadership. I mean, can you share the value of that to our list? Well, the Chief Leadership Officer book is a very different book um, from my own. It's similar to my own purpose in the sense that it's a story or a, a modern parable or a narrative. Uh, I, my books are generally narratives or stories. Mm. The premise of this book is that the CEO system of management is increasingly obsolete and ineffective, and it is undermining both our society and economy. The leader of the future needs to be a chief leadership officer. Now, I'm not throwing the baby in the bathwater out. I'm a reformer, not a revolutionary. So the reformation that I'm looking at is saying that CEOs are doing business incompletely right, which means they're doing about two-thirds of the job. The job that they're missing is the human side. So, you know, if you think of an executive, what do executives do? They execute. What do leaders do? They lead. So would, so let me ask you, would you sooner be led or executed? <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah, I'd rather be led, of course. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, I get the- unfortunately, the corporate world today, we have a lot of people that are executing. And, yeah. and I don't mean that they're killing people, but they are at some level executing their job, but they're yeah. not leading in their job. And so the idea of this book is a wake-up call to CEOs, managing directors, managing partners, uh, executive directors, the presidents, those in leadership, top leadership positions to say, look, um, if you continue doing business the way that you were taught to do business and don't bring in this human element, then you're um, – and look at the way we talk about people, human resources, yeah, assets – yeah. Uh, human human capital. Um, I mean, it's just the words that are being used in the business world are just so pejorative and so objectifying of people. Where if you, that's why I always talk about people. You know, whenever I don't use the word employee very often, I use the word team or associate or a member or a partner or you know Disney, where I'm, I'm located in Orlando, Florida area. Disney has cast members, and that's a C A S T, not a C H. A-S-T, yeah. <laughs> although some might argue it, but <laughs> uh, but you, you see what I'm saying, or a crew, or the, whatever it may be that you want to use that's an, in, that's an inclusive term, not in the sense of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it's a, it's a humanizing term where if I, have to, if I have to fire somebody, it's easier to call them human capital um, or to because they're or a human resource because I'm just getting rid of a resource. Where if I have if I understand that real lives are involved in this and it's a, it's a burden for a leader. Yeah, burden, people are the burden of a leader. It's also the privilege of the leader, and and so people are counting on them because they're that when they move their career into a company, they're counting on that leadership to to make wise good and profitable decisions, not just financially profitable, but adding value decisions. And if they're not, then their their job could be lost or their business could go under, their benefits package may not be as good as it could be, their bonus may not exist, they may not have a profit sharing because they're relying upon that person sitting in the corner office. 
And if they, if that person in the corner office views them as an asset as opposed to a human being, then they don't care as much. It's just a chess piece on the board that they're moving around. And uh, mind you, there's a certain time where you've got to make some tough decisions as a leader, but as a leader who has a heart, a purpose, then they're more apt to make, interestingly, the better decisions that are actually going to get them people who are energized, people who are willing to work overtime because they're so committed to the cause, people who want to tell other people about what a great place it is. It, it's, it builds their brand. It builds their reputation. It's, 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 so it's not, it's, it, it's literally taking the current mindset of CEOs and saying there's a whole different way to do business, which is actually going to be more financially profitable, fewer turnover, more attracting more people to come to your work, and it will make a more enjoyable workplace. I mean, it's, it's, and it's just that we're in the cusp of this dynamic world. So what's happening is, is people are, are less, less trusting of their corporate employer. Okay. Now they look to the government and they're, they're looking now towards socialism, take care of me because the corporation isn't when in fact it was always their responsibility to take care of themselves. That's a whole other opening gambit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the the reality is is that when you can now begin to compare socialism to capitalism, you can see that capitalism, for all its faults, is actually the best, most wealth-producing, wealth-being, well-being system out there. And socialism tends to concentrate money and power and create massive class differences and dependencies. And so it's kind of like, you know, in the UK and the US, where independence is at the hallmark of our foundation of of who we are as countries. And now you've got these dependencies. And I think the corporations are actually accelerating dependency. Okay, so again, it's not meant to be a political discussion. It's more of a socioeconomic discussion of, of why why purpose is so important because if somebody is saying i've got a purpose vision mission and values for my life then then doggone it i'm going to make sure that i live it out and i'm going to find somebody who wants to live it out with me as a marriage partner as a corporation as an employer or other people who want to join me in my cause to make the world a better place uh, to to get to be on my purpose so that's an idealistic view of the world, I understand, but it's my idealism. No, it's a great insight, and uh, I wish I'd prepared for an ideological discussion because we have the term in the UK, champagne socialist. So it's it's those people at the top who who benefit from the rules they pass um, directly and uh, to the detriment of society as a whole. And that's always been the way is the concentration of rewards to the people on top who aren't doing their duty, which they espouse, which is to look after the people they serve. Unfortunately, there is that disconnect. And um, it's those um, broken promises that really cause people to feel betrayed, feel disaffected. And then if it's a company that's doing that to their employees, it's disengagement. Right. And I mean, and the church has the same issue. You can see, so it's kind of, well, here's a simple way of, let's go back to the business world for a moment. Yeah. And, and this is also in the socioeconomic 
world. Okay. If you look at it, the idea of somebody says, look, I need you to do this for the greater good versus the common good, two, two similar sounding concepts to radically different philosophy. The greater good is I've determined what's great. Therefore, I want you to submit to what I consider to be great. The common good says, let's do this for the common good. And you and I are going to work together to figure out what that looks like and what that is. So the common good, or for instance, in the United States, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a state. It's called the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So the idea of commonwealth means common well-being, that we are looking out for each other. I'm responsible for you, but only if you can't be responsible for yourself. Nobody's looking out for you. Nobody should. You don't want anybody to look out for you. You want to look out for yourself. But if you have a problem, it's good to know in the commonwealth that you can turn to somebody for help and they will give it. But you don't expect it. And that's the problem is a lot of people today expect that that they're to be taken care of. And when in fact, they're, they have no expectation of that except for somebody who's planted it in their mind who wants to convert them to their greater good cause. The common good would say, we're going to figure this out together. What's best for all of us? Kevin. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a little, again, sort of a, a lesson on the differences, um, the deep differences in terms of how purpose lives out. Because purpose, when, you're, when you have a purpose and you want to be on your purpose, i.e. your purpose, vision, mission, and values aligned in the individual or the organization, you basically want people to get out of your way or to support you in what you're doing but you're not asking them, you're not expecting them to do anything for you. You're expecting to say, they may not understand what I'm trying to do, but I want, so I want to clarify what it is. And then everything, then you just walk around in gratitude when people do good things for you and with you. Yeah. So ultimately gratitude is a good place to be. It is. And leading yourself is a great place to be in the context of being able to help yourself and then look to help others as well. Right. Because that, that, that's a healthy society. Well, and a healthy society starts with individuals who are healthy on the inside, taking us right back to the beginning of this conversation, which is if you can get healthy on the inside, then the outside unhealth, and there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of people who want to manipulate. There's, a, you know, that then you're less susceptible to the trials and tribulations of the externals that would compromise your well-being. So uh, evolving from dependence to independence to interdependence. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Kevin, I know we're, we're out of time, but this has been an amazing conversation, I have to say. And it's even, I, I, could, I could go on forever, but um, uh, very, very uh, cognizant and appreciate uh, you sharing so much uh, value and definitely I'm going to get the on-purpose business. That's going to be my next job after this interview. I'm going to purchase that <laughs> book. Well, it's, it's good. It's also on audio. So it's uh, on Audible. If you're an Audible listener, you can listen on audio, audio, Audible. Hmm, can't get it out. <laughs> I'll definitely go for it. Thank you. I, I guess um, just to wrap up a couple of final questions, do you have a project you're working on right now that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, yes. I mean, I'm uh, at the individual level. I'm doing a program right now called Tough Shift Turnaround. You have to say it slowly. Mm. 
And it's a program where I'm sort of taking this these 33 years of on-purpose work plus another 20 years before that of just personal growth and development research that I'd been doing. And uh, it's and I'm, I'm kind of combining all of these so that I can help people get these deep questions that are in their heart and soul, get answers to those, and then support them for a year. So it's a one-day program supported with 364 days of support in small group and in a larger online community is the best way to describe it. Because I, I, I found that I really want... I want people to be able to move from where they are to where they want to be. And most people don't have the tools, the technologies, the maybe the background to be able to do that. And by being able to mentor people over a year, and, and I say mentor, it's not like we're doing a lot of one-on-ones, but you know, there's there there will be group calls throughout the year. Every other week, you know, the group will meet together. And and so it's this is the sort of thing that I'm looking at where we want to I really want to help people make the move kind of like you made the move in your career. But you probably did a lot of that by yourself, didn't you? Yeah. Imagine imagine if you'd had not only did it by yourself, but if you did it, you still have to do it by yourself. Nobody can make these decisions for you. But if you had a, a group of people that were also going through similar changes, whether it's career or family or the death of a loved one or something, they were going through their own set of changes and challenges, but were there to support and talk with you and talk it through and maybe help you process some of your decisions based on your purpose, stated purpose, vision, mission and values. Absolutely. It, it definitely, if you have a community of people who, who you have shared experiences with, it makes that journey easier. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to build right now. That's my, that's one of my big new projects. And then of course I always have, I've had for the last several years, a project that I've really worked on is the on purpose.me online tool for people to find their two word purpose statement, have a there's a, a a course that comes with that it's an email course that comes with it more inspirational and instructional materials and then uh, they can jump on a refine your purpose zoom call that i do live on a uh, once a month basis that's brilliant yeah thank thank you kevin and uh, finally where can our listeners find and connect with you online uh, on purpose.com either with or without the hyphen on purpose.com is my website. That's my main website and they can connect with me there. And I'm also on LinkedIn, primarily I'm more on LinkedIn. Uh, just as a little side thing, I also have a thing called senior which is a Facebook <laughs> group and we have over 30,000 members in that. Wow. So it's, it's a, it's, you don't have to be a senior, but you do <laughs> need to be a tennis player to be in senior So you can see where the want list and tournament process came from. It's uh, from my old tennis days. Brilliant. And it's a great way. It's it's very creative way of um, simplifying something that a lot of people really struggle with. So uh, thank you so much, Kevin. And uh, for our listeners, if you want to find your purpose, it's a great thing to do. I'll be dropping the links in the show notes. So thank you, everyone. This is Dante Helian. You've been listening to Kevin McCarthy on Business Breaks. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. This podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT, and digital finance. Hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves, this show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations. 